Luke chapter 12 today, and in, in, <coughs> we'll be in verse 13 or 14, but just to, again to frame things, uh, the Lord had had supper with these Pharisees, and and his disciples were kind of worried about that, and and uh, <coughs> he, he comforted them. I say to you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and and how valuable they were to him, and and <clears throat> then we had the lesson of confessing Jesus before men, and and <clears throat> so today we're uh, we're looking at uh, verse 13 and 14 of Luke chapter 12. And remember, as we we were in last week's lesson on the Spirit in the church and how the Spirit, he said the Spirit. Uh, don't worry about when they when they take you before the magistrates, when they take you before the the, the courts and whatnot, uh, and grill you about the Lord. Don't worry about what you'll say. This Holy Spirit will teach you what you shall say at, in that same hour. And 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 we looked at a couple of examples of that in in Acts in chapter two and chapter seven, where Peter gave a sermon. And it was accompanied by the Holy Spirit. And there was 3,000 added to the church that day. And then in Acts 7, where Stephen <clears throat> gave a really lengthy sermon beginning at Genesis and going all the way to the time that he was standing there and and <clears throat> uh, and didn't seem to have much results right at the time other than they gnashed their teeth and took him out and stoned him. <laughs> so uh, the kind of the, we looked at the two different... Uh, Results of the gospel that were exemplified there, and and <clears throat> interestingly enough, part of the part that we read from Acts chapter seven, we'll be looking at again today because it uh, it's just right where we're at in uh, Luke chapter twelve, verse thirteen and fourteen today. So, so let's read that in Luke twelve, <clears throat> and he had just there was this big throng of people around him. Uh, wanting him to do stuff or say stuff that was inspiring and uh, do miracles and whatnot. And and one of the company in verse 13 said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things <clears throat> which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I'll bestow all my fruits and goods. And I'll say to my soul, Thou Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But the Lord, or the God, said unto him, Thou fool, this night <coughs> thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose things uh, will they be that thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So uh, we're, we're kind of looking at that section today. So... Uh, Master, speak to my brother, and that he divide the inheritance with me. And you know that that's the dividing the inheritance, the the title of our lesson today. You know this uh, it really is in spiritually, it's an inheritance that uh, cannot rightly be divided. And so, 
Firstly, we have here a picture or a metaphor re regarding again the the two results of the of the gospel, which we covered in in, in Luke twelve verse eleven through twelve, that we just mentioned about the three thousand souls that were added and where where Stephen was stoned to death. <clears throat> and today's lesson involves a request by one who was of the multitude that followed Jesus and and who requested that Jesus uh, really intervene in a as he looked at it physically inter intervene in a a physical worldly inheritance dispute boy we've been in, uh, involved in some of those anybody that's been around a long time probably has had something to do with an inheritance dispute <laughs> how messy they can be well the lord says in answer to him interestingly enough and and uh, really quite a uh, fascinating lesson we have today he said unto him man who made me a judge or a divider over you and you know that uh, that uh, phrase comes uh, directly from the law of Moses in um, in Exodus and uh, we'll look at that here in just a minute but uh, uh, you know his mission was singular his mission was not to be an arbitrary judge over mundane things of this world that he says these things are not going to last. They're they're not eternal, and you know he looks at things from an eternal spiritual aspect, <clears throat> where these things have no value. And and he says, lay up for yourselves treasure where moss and rust doesn't corrupt, and and these things are just here for a while. And uh, and <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> so he his mission was singular in that. He only came here to save his people from their sins. He only came to save the children that God had given him in the covenant of grace from before the foundation of the world. We're going to find some interesting scriptures here that point this out and, and how it applies to airship and, uh, as we go through this lesson. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> you know, in John chapter 17, he said to his disciples, he says, they are as he is praying to the Lord, he says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. <clears throat> These things have nothing to do with us. They may be applicable here for a brief span of time in this world, but eternally they have no bearing. <clears throat> and so, again, this uh, this episode here is is drawn directly from the Old Testament by Jesus quoting Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 2. And uh, and then again, Stephen, in, a, in his sermon in Acts 7, quoted this exact same thing twice. Uh, in and, and he explains the, the spiritual principle of it in Acts chapter 7. Uh, in verse 27 and uh, 35, I believe it is. So uh, anyway, moving on... Uh, in Exodus chapter 2, uh, verse 11 through 15, we find Moses. And remember, he had been raised as an Egyptian, and he went out to... It says, He says uh, in verse 11, It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way and when he saw there was no man he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand 
And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And uh, so he said unto him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And, and he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. So he was saying, Oh, oh they found out that I killed the Egyptian. I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble here. And uh, so now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well, and, and that's as far as we'll go in that uh, scripture. But uh, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? And, uh, and as we looked at uh, Stephen's message in Acts chapter 7, uh, when he was full of the Holy Spirit and preaching this, this tremendous gospel message, he, he refers to this section in Acts chapter 7, verse 23. Acts, 20, Acts 7, 23. And when he was fully 40 years old, it came to his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And he's talking about Moses here. And he's, he's directly looking at this block that we just looked at in Exodus. And seeing them, one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. <clears throat> Verse 25 is really interesting. He says, For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. But they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do you wrong one to another? <clears throat> but he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? So isn't that interesting how the Lord applies the same thing here to this one that has an issue with his brother in a, in an inheritance matter? And, and, he, and this m picture of Moses... Uh, as a type of Christ here uh, he supposed his brethren would have understood that God by his hand would deliver them but they understood not and we find that same principle here in, in Luke chapter uh, uh, 12 verse uh, 13 14 and, <clears throat> and there's a direct application regarding whom the Lord came to deliver and it's connected to this inheritance that's being disputed <clears throat> Now, <clears throat> this is kind of brought out in Genesis and, and explained pretty much in detail in the book of Galatians. Uh, <clears throat> in uh, Genesis 15, we have the, the promise that God made that his seed would be uh, inheritors, that his seed w uh, would be the ones. In Genesis 15, 3... <clears throat> And as Stephen, in his example in Acts chapter 7, verse 1 through 5, in his sermon said, <clears throat> uh, the seed, he talks about the seed, the children being uh, the children of promise being the seed and not children of the flesh. <clears throat> Both of them inherited, but they inherited different things. And, and in Genesis uh, 15, 3, Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And that was, uh, he was talking about Ishmael, the, 
the son that he had by Hagar, and he was in, in his early teens, I believe, when, when uh, Isaac was born. Uh, <clears throat> so in verse 4, Genesis 15, Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. Isn't that interesting? This is, this is not your heir. <clears throat> but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. What a spiritual picture of God the Father, saying the things of the world, the things of the bondwoman, those are not the heir, but the things that come out of, uh, God says, the things that come out of my own bowels, those are, gonna, those are my heirs, the, my children whom I give to Christ. And, uh, <clears throat> and so... Isaac and Ishmael, one was a spiritual inheritor, one was a physical inheritor, one the son of promise, one the son of the flesh. The inheritance has been decided in eternity by God the Father, and it's not dividable. Divide the inheritance with me, uh, and I want some of that. And uh, You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And then uh, we, ha we have that, that in verse 4 <clears throat> that we're chosen. And in verse 11 it says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. <clears throat> so isn't that an interesting viewpoint there that God presents to us? You know, the heirs... Do not choose themselves. The heirs are not the choosers. The heirs do not determine their inheritance as much as a lot of them really work at that nowadays. <laughs> and this guy here is working at that same thing. He says, oh, master, divide the inheritance with me. Uh, talk to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. I welcome. We're in uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and or 12 and 13 here this morning. <clears throat> so, so as we look at this heirship and this dividing the inheritance in Christ, this is this matter is already decided. It's it's been written in the law of Moses. It's it's pretty plain. And and <clears throat> in Galatians chapter four, we have a lengthy uh, bit here about heirship and. The, the difference between just being sons and heirs and, and Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 beginning in verse 1 says now I say that the heir as long as he is a child differeth nothing from a servant though he be lord of all but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father <clears throat> even so we when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoptions of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son then an heir of God through Christ. So he explains that principle very uh, clearly there. And then down in, if we'll skip down in Galatians chapter 4 down to verse 21, and he, he brings up this case of Hagar and, 
in uh, in Isaac and Ishmael and Sarah. And <clears throat> verse 21, he says, Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? They're, they're always trying to do a workaround with the law. And, and he says, the law is pretty explicit. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. And you know that, that just goes back to speak where Abraham tried to accomplish things by his own him and his wife tried to accomplish things in a physical way and not in the spiritual sense that God had before directed that would be. And then he, he finally caused that to happen. But they they had this results of their physical uh, application of spiritual things that they had to deal with. <clears throat> he who was of the bondwoman was after the flesh, but he who, of the free woman was by promise. And then in verse 24, an important sentence here, he says, which things are an allegory? They're a picture, they're a type. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar, for this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia in answer to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which above, is free and is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. <clears throat> now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. And boy, isn't that the case where this fellow comes to Christ and says, you're a pretty well-respected, famous person. Here, Intervene here and, and tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And, and we'll, we'll look at that, uh, that law here in a minute. Uh, <clears throat> but in verse... 30 of Galatians 4. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we're not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So this, this inheritance that's being disputed here in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, is really just a spiritual allegory, as in Galatians chapter uh, 24, for salvation by grace through our inheritance, Jesus Christ our Lord, which is really is coveted by the the children of the bondwoman, and and there are the attempts to obtain it through avaricious means as uh, methods. What the concordance says about that. So, you know, the Lord ties us directly to covetousness here in verse 15, uh, and but. <clears throat> The spiritual lesson here given by the Lord is a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. <clears throat> That's in uh, verse 15b. <clears throat> and if you'll recall back to our, our uh, <clears throat> lesson from Luke chapter 9 where he sent the disciples out and he says, don't take anything. Don't take any script. Don't take a staff. Don't take a coat. Don't take extra shoes. Don't take food. I'll provide all things. I'm, I am everything to you. Total reliance on Christ. And when they got back, he says, well, 
when you went out, did you lack anything? And they said, no, <laughs> we didn't. But it was a hard lesson for them to learn. Boy, I, I remember when I was teaching that lesson, I said, man, when I go somewhere, I take a lot of stuff. I take extra everything <laughs> in case of emergency, you know, and take two, take three. And but he says, take nothing. That's And that's a hard thing for us to spiritually grasp that all of our everything we have and need is is in him <clears throat> and so in kind of a spiritual context here is refers to Moses that he's quoting uh, the this book of Moses Exodus chapter uh, 12 there uh, that Moses being a type of Christ uh, who would deliver them but they understood not that's the same thing that we're he's up against here and when he says these very words to this uh, this one that would have him intervene in this inheritance issue <clears throat> uh, and as if we kind of dissect the beginnings of the issue raised by that person in the in the mass of people the he probably you know he might he's probably not a true disciple he was just a a hanger on or and <clears throat> You know, one of the base laws of Moses regarding inheritance is found in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 15 and 17. And, and uh, by, by this custom dictated uh, that the elder son, if he had sons, there, there was just rules for everything. If he had two wives or a wife and a concubine or whatever, you, if you had two sons, the elder would be the inheritor of a double portion. And then if you had 12 sons, you would divide it into 12 lots and then the eldest son would get two chunks and the other sons would get the, the smaller uh, portions. And if you had a daughter, you just uh, gave her a dowry from your herd or your jewelry or your shekels or whatever you had. and. Uh, <clears throat> And, but if you didn't have any sons at all, then the daughter would would inherit the the full thing. <clears throat> so that's found in Deuteronomy 21, and and <clears throat> you know verse uh, 13 in Luke, this this person was clearly unhappy with the inheritance allotted to him. He was not happy, and boy, we find that just true now as it was then <laughs> the dispute <clears throat> and he was desirous to get more that was uh, apparently not actually due him and uh, uh, who made me a divider over you the, the law is pretty explicit and spiritually the God the Father has determined the inheritors and who are not and covetous by definition in the Bible by Strong's Concordance is avarice, which is greed for money, uh, with the implication, of, there's an implication of fraudulence or extortion in there con connected to that word. So this, this fellow didn't have any good purposes in what he was doing when he approached the Lord. And, and, and The, the use of that word rules out any unjust treatment that this man perceived that he had received. <clears throat> and uh, the, 
the parable that follows this gives us an example of the spiritual versus physical desires of the man, <clears throat> the unregenerated versus the born again from above. There in verse 15 through 34 where it says, the life is more than just what you possess. And uh, <clears throat> So how we view things then is based solely on how we view Christ and how we view ourselves and is is Christ to us just as this man looked at him and thought well he's just a powerful but a malleable individual that he could cajole into getting things his way and uh, you know that's how man works uh, well <clears throat> hey if you up the ante on my inheritance I'll give you a 10% <laughs> that kind of a thing that's kind of the intent of that word and uh, <clears throat> so uh, or is he viewed as the Lord God Almighty the Messiah saving his people from their sins he's the just and the justifier how we look at Christ determines how we how we view these other things uh, completely whatever this man's lot it was never going to be enough. If he got it all, he would just he would just be trying to get more, and uh, <clears throat> you know it kind of brings up the question: Can man manufacture his own inheritance uh, eternally uh, from a spiritual standpoint? In Colossians chapter three verse one it says. If then ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, those spiritual things, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid in Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye also shall appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and then he said and covetousness which is idolatry he links covetousness to idolatry worship of that uh, which you don't have and uh, <clears throat> it's covetousness is to the point of an all-consuming desire to have for yourself what rightly belongs to others and willing to acquire by unrighteous acts or to keep that which is obtained unlawfully that's that's a pretty dire definition of covetousness and especially in spiritual things and you know natural man can only think in terms of this world and survival and success are measured in wealth and possessions uh, <clears throat> which things really can only be possessed in this world that's what the Lord said in verse 20 that they don't they don't last any longer than he says when you die well whose things are they going to be then you don't have any control over them they won't buy you nothing when when you have moved beyond this this world <clears throat> these things can never bring true contentment or happiness and the more things you have the more one becomes a slave to possessions you know you have things and then you worry well, who's going to steal them, or what's going to happen to them, or uh, you just—they—they they can become all-consuming if we aren't aren't careful, and they become a worry and not a joy. <clears throat> and and the spiritual view that comes with rebirth 
our desires and expectations are, are much different. And, you know, worldly possessions are necessary to a point in this life. And, and, and Jesus brings that up and he says, the Father knows you have need of such things. So it's not wrong to need or have those uh, things, but attaching the wrong value to them, I guess, is the point of the, the message here. Uh, <clears throat> and that which is obtained by airship is of far much more value. And, you know, we look to our Heavenly Father who has in eternity adopted us to sonship, which we read about in in the Ephesians. And uh, if we turn over there and, and, and read there in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14, we find that inheritance is mentioned twice in that, in that block of, of Scripture. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ in whom ye also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also after ye believed you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. <clears throat> so we have that uh, mention that inheritance twice and how that comes to us through adoption by the Father and through Christ. And, uh, you know, inheritance in the scriptures is defined clearly as possession acquired through heirship. Possession acquired through heirship. And what does the Bible tell us we're, inher we're inheriting? And really, it's, it's not a, so much a what, but a whom. And we find that uh, in, in other places in the scripture where we, that we've looked at previously. It's, it's a whom. It's Christ. <clears throat> uh, in Numbers chapter 18, verse 20, <clears throat> And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them, 
I am thy part in thy inheritance among the children of Israel. And, and uh, David echoed those sentiments in Psalm chapter 16, verse 5. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. I have a, I have a goodly heritage. And that's how, uh, <clears throat> that's how he uh, viewed it. And uh, uh, so, <clears throat> if we could turn over to First uh, Peter chapter one, and we'll read a few verses there having to do with uh, this inheritance. And we, a long time ago, we we looked at that in uh, our study of First Peter. As soon as I hit the right button here. <clears throat> Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. There in First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, chosen chosen by the foreknowledge of God, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Two, we're born again, by Christ to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled <clears throat> that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time so we have this inheritance that's the exact opposite of everything in this world it's it's incorruptible it's uh, fate is not away it uh, can't be a uh, uh, rotted away or or defiled <clears throat> in Romans the 8th chapter in verse 16 and 17 <clears throat> the spirit confirms in us that we are the children of God and in verse 17 says, And if children, then we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. <clears throat> it's all has to do with, with inheritance, with heirship. <clears throat> and conversely, the people God, the Father, gave the Son in eternity <clears throat> are His inheritance. In Deuteronomy 32.9 it says, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. And then that's followed up by Isaiah in chapter 8. I think Norman mentioned this in one of his lessons here not too far back. In Isaiah 8.18, <clears throat> which is uh, quoted in Hebrews again, <clears throat> Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel whom the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion the Lord the children which which the Lord hath given me and 
So <clears throat> this inheritance that is talked about here in, in Luke chapter 12, div divide the inheritance for me. Well, the inheritance, is, as we've learned, is a matter of heirship, and it's a matter that the, the father determines the heirs, and God the Father here has already determined that the heirs are the seed of promise and not those of the flesh, not those of the bondwoman. <clears throat> and so Christ is basically telling them, there's no dividing. <laughs> you either have the inheritance or not, and and that is up to God. And, uh, you know, we just sang that hymn, Be Thou My Vision, uh, Thou Mine Inheritance. That person had an understanding part of this study that we just had here, Be Thou My Inheritance, now and always and he, and he had that view that we get as believers <clears throat> you know riches are riches are okay and nice to have in this world but they're not the measure of of our spiritual uh, relationship with the lord and and whether we have a lot or we have none we still have the same inheritance in Christ and we and it's it's not uh, uh, wealth is not a measure of our relationship with with God the Father. It's, uh, it's these these things are they fade away. They're not worth anything. Don't set too much store in them. When you go, you can't take them with you, and you you have no say over what happens to them. <laughs> so, uh, and even what you said you wanted to have happen to them while you was alive may not necessarily be what what ends up <laughs> but with God the Father there's no there's no uh, messing around with it. it it is what it is so uh, all those things really just they just have no value beyond this world so set your set your heart on treasures that are above where Christ sits on the right hand of the throne of God making intercession for us and, and he is our inheritance he's our are all in all. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. So we'll end our lesson there for now, and uh, till the next time, be free.